Welcome to SimonCast, the official podcast of the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. I'm John Shaw, the director of the Institute. In SimonCast, we aim to keep the legacy of Senator Paul Simon alive through wide-ranging civil conversations. Today, we're really delighted to be joined with one of the rising stars in Illinois politics, a new mayor from Bloomington, uh, Honorable Mubaka Luambwe. Uh, the mayor is, has one of the most interesting backgrounds of any mayor in Illinois. He was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, has lived in the Ivory Coast, Senegal, and the Republic of the Congo, uh, moved uh, to the United States after leaving high school in 89, uh, entered ISU in 1990, earned a degree in mathematics, then he went earned a graduate degree in education. Um, and has worked at ISU for the last quarter century in important positions, including now the Office of Equal Opportunity and Access. He's been part of the City Council of Bloomington. Uh, he's, he served for a decade. And then in 2021, just this past April, was elected mayor, was sworn in on May 1st, I believe. He and his wife, Stacy have four children. Um, and he is, he speaks more languages than most of us can even count. I mean, he speaks English, French, Swahili, Lingala, and I think some Spanish as well. So we will conduct this interview in English, <laughs> but it's so good to see you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, John. It's a, it really is a pleasure to join you today. Great. Well, back in the day when we were flying, if so, if you're sitting next to someone, uh, you know, on, on an airplane, and they say, "Oh, sir, tell me a little bit about your background." I mean, what is? I, I touched over just the, the the kind of big pieces, but I know your dad worked for UNICEF. Um, you're, the, I think, the youngest of seven children. So, what is kind of the airplane pitch about your background? Explaining how you got from from where you began to Bloomington, Illinois. Yes, uh, you know, it, it's been a very interesting journey, one that's been uh, very delightful. Uh, I, I, I consider myself lucky uh, to have been uh, in the position that I, I have been in uh, because of, you know, some of the choices that my, my parents made. Uh, my, my dad was someone who uh, strongly believed in public service. Uh, prior to joining uh, UNICEF and, and the UN, he was a deputy secretary of education uh, in the Congo for, for five years and had been a, a teacher uh, as well. So in, in 1977, he decided to, to join UNICEF. We, we moved to, to the Ivory Coast where I stayed there for, for six years. Uh, and I primarily went to uh, schools that follow the, the French curriculum because as uh, you know, UN employees are, are called to move every five or six years. Uh, therefore, uh, my parents thought, you know, just for the sake of consistency, uh, they, we needed to follow the, the French curriculum because it was about the same in every country that we would be called to go to. So 83, we moved to uh, Senegal, uh, spent five years there. So pretty much my adolescence was spent in West Africa. Uh, and then after that, we went um, back to, we went to the Republic of the Congo across the river. Uh, a fun, interesting, and useless fact, uh, the Kinshasa and Brazzaville are the two closest capitals in the world. <laughs> so, uh, it, but it's completely useless to know that. <laughs> it's not going to do anybody any good, <laughs> but I thought I'd mention that. Uh, so I finished my last year uh, of high school in the Republic of the Congo, 
uh, in Brazzaville. And then uh, because I've always been fascinated by American culture, I have to remember I grew up during the time where there were a number of uh, cultural icons, uh, American cultural icons that uh, many of us uh, really thought highly of and, and followed um, in, in, in Africa. So I, I decided that I want to go to the United States, you know, to, 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 to go to school because it's just a fascinating culture. And, so in 89, we went to, uh, I went to New York um, because I thought I, I, I needed to, you know, I might need to perfect my English a little bit. Uh, when I got there, I realized, you know, because I learned British English, <laughs> uh, but when I got there, I realized really the only thing that I needed to do was to practice American English and get out and about talking to people. So I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> Uh, more TV than I should probably, but it really helped me get used to uh, American, the American accent, pronunciation, and, and things like that. And then in 1990, I, uh, I, I had a brother who was already here in Western Illinois. Um, he went to Western Illinois University. And once we, uh, you know, and I thought, well, Illinois is a great place for me to study and better than New York City. <laughs> Uh, not good for students. So I decided to come to Illinois State University and, and then, uh, you know, met my wife uh, I, at ISU. Uh, we got married, lived in Boston for seven to eight months, and then decided to come back to uh, Illinois State University because we thought this is the best place for us to prosper. And I've been here, you know, for you know, all these years. Worked, I, I've been working at ISU, like you said, you know, a quarter century, so which makes me feel really old. <laughs> um, and then joined the council in 2011, uh, was appointed by former Mayor Stockton. Always, you know, because I, like I told you about my, my dad's background, always had an interest in public service. And, and I thought this was a great opportunity for, for me to serve been on the council for 10 years. Uh, in 2019, I, I became mayor pro tem uh, and, and then decided to uh, to run for mayor in uh, 2021. And, and here I am. <laughs> well, Mr. Mayor, I read someplace where you, I think you were talked about the cultural icons that, that uh, hit you. And one of them that was really kind of powerful was Jesse Jackson. I think yeah. you had you had followed his 1984 presidential campaign, and that was really striking. Tell a little bit about how that campaign resonated with you. Well, you know, I still remember. Uh, so this was in, in 1984, I believe, right? Right. And, and uh, so we were in Senegal, and I, and I do remember, and it might even be during the course of the campaign, but I, I remember this vivid image of uh, Jesse Jackson campaigning in Chicago, you know, so skyscrapers, uh, you know, in the background, you know, the Chicago skyline, but but also, you know, lots of crowds. And, and so for us, you know, you have to look at it from the standpoint of an outsider. And so we, we hear, you know, we, we've learned through history books, you know, that America was a, a difficult place for uh, minorities, uh, for African-Americans. And, and all of a sudden to have somebody who, who was black running, you know, it just kind of, uh, it, it just gave us a, a sense of, of hope. Uh, and, and we thought, wow, this is, it's an amazing country, you know, where you can you know, witness this sort of uh, metamorphosis in, in the way people think politically. So that, that was, you know, in, through the eyes of a 13, 14 year old, it, it was uh, something kind of amazing to watch. 
Well, tell us about studying math. I mean, has that always been your natural aptitude? And uh, and then you shifted from that to graduate studies in education. Tell us about yeah. that pivot. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've always had a really good aptitude with math. Uh, but one of my problems, I, I would say, is that, as you, you probably realize, is that I, I have a, also an aptitude for many other things, like languages. So I, I always had a difficult time, you know, picking out what exactly am I going to do, you know? So I, I've always considered myself kind of a, a jack of all trades. Uh, and so when I came here, I, I thought, you know, I will do um, uh, computer science. And when I uh, decided to study attending ISU, uh, I went to the academic advisor. Academic advisor said, well, you know, we do have this program where you can do both. You know, you can get a double major, math and computer science. So I, and I went through it and, you know, computer science was just not my thing uh, because I, you know, throughout the process, I realized, gosh, I, I'm such a people person, not to sound cliche, but I, I love interacting with people. And this felt like I was, you know, stuck in a corner working on my computer programming and not really being able to interact with people in the way that I, I would like to. And so therefore I, I dropped computer science as the major. Uh, and, and kept math, and be, because I also did not want to to uh, to spend too much time, you know, by switching majors, I wanted to graduate still in four years. Um, I, I decided to to stick with math, and my, um, you know, one of the the things that caused this epiphany was that in 1992, I, I joined the housing staff as a resident assistant. Where, which called me to, to really uh, interact with residents and do programs and, and you know, policy uh, uh, education, enforcement, and, and, and those kinds of things. And that's when I thought, aha, this feels, makes me feel alive because I am dealing with people constantly and helping them. So oftentimes, you know, when people ask me, hey, how is the alderman thing going? How is the mayor thing going? Well, I say, well, it's just like being a resident assistant, but for many, many, many more people. <laughs> well, tell us about your city council decade. I mean, you served for 10 years on the city council. What was it like? What issues were you primarily focused in? How do you look back on that decade period? Yeah, well, obviously, since I'm here now, I can say it was a pretty successful one. Uh, it, it was it was really enjoyable. Uh, it, it was challenging. Uh, I, when I started, uh, you know, coming from education, I, you know, and you think you're really smart, you know, most of us think we're really smart. And then when I got there, I realized I was like, wow, there's a whole world here that I, I haven't even scratched the surface. So it was a, a great period of, of learning uh, about policies, about issues that I, I had never dealt with. And I, and I think it, it, it was ultimately uh, pretty uh, pretty successful. The first few years, you know, we we had some some difficulties, you know, because I, I call that it's the norming phase. You know, you you learn to work with another one another, get to know each other, and things like that. But I, I think in in the end, uh, what I do like about it is that people come from all kinds of walks of life, different perspectives, and, and the important thing is to really to be a very good listener. 
they, there were a number of, uh, you know, council members, you know, over those 10 years, where I would say, you know, we might not align closely philosophically, but I learned a lot from them because they, they gave me a perspective that I, I didn't necessarily consider. And, and I thought from that standpoint, I, you know, it, it made me a, a much better council member, a, a much better person. Uh, and, and, and I've remained in touch, you know, with, uh, you know, with many of them. Now, when you ran for mayor in 21, uh, in 2021, I, I read that the, the George Floyd tragedy mm -hmm profoundly shaped you talk about that if you would yeah because you know when when it happened uh i i saw develop an increasingly an increasing level of polarization uh not only in the country but also in, in the community uh in terms of how uh, how to deal with that you know um you know the, the and and the social unrest you know that that followed uh, I, I do remember going to a um, a, a, a gathering uh, with you know that was called on by the NAACP locally you know with, with whom uh, you know, public leaders have had a, a great uh, um, a, a great uh, relationship with um, and so and and they, they call this uh, this this uh, large gathering to really give an opportunity for people to not only express their frustration with what happened to to George Floyd, but but also you know to kind of begin sort of a, a dialogue as well you know with uh, law enforcement locally and to show that we're all in this together, you know and 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 the chief of police at the time um, uh, wanted to speak and and you know he's someone that you know we had worked with and and uh, uh, married to an African-American woman, uh, has, uh, you know, biracial uh, children. And, you know, he was, he, he got up to the microphone and wanted to speak, uh, but he was shouted down uh, and never got a chance to say anything of what he had to say, you know, so people never really got to know what was on his heart, you know, and I've spoken to him, you know, uh, privately, and, and I know he's a, he's a really good person and wanted to, to do the best. I mean, incidentally, he didn't stay very long. I think he only stayed for about a year. But then I, I so that made me think, you know, that really what makes a community special is, you know, the ability for people to be able to talk to, to one another, regardless of their differences and, and to do it in a way that is civil. Um, and, and I, um, so that, you know, made me think, you know, maybe I, I have something to bring uh, to 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 this particular uh, you know enterprise that is the the city council as uh, as mayor and 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 shape the community and move us in a way that we can kind of work together even if there are difficult issues let's come to the table together and not go the way of what I had seen in other cities you know where there are riots and people arguing and fighting with one another. Well, Mayor, you won a, a difficult three-person race. I mean, it was, it was pretty closely contested. And at the end of it, you said something that I found striking. You said, when we do something collectively, like in an election, and decide all of a sudden that this person, who is very different than most and mm -hmm. wasn't born here, is actually the person that we think represents our values, it transcends all these differences. That's the beauty of America. Yes. 
And, and I understand that your election actually was reported back home as a, a, an important news item. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it you know, it's, um, when I think about it, you know, I, I kind of get choked up a little bit because it, it was a, it was an amazing, amazing kind of thing. You know, it's, it really gives you, uh, uh, you know, a sense of being valued, you know, by, by people who are different than you, you know, for everything that you, that you hear that is negative about America. And when you, you see something like that happen, you say, gosh, there, there is some good in, in this country. Is it perfect? No, it's not. But there, there is incredible good that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. It just so happens that it, for me, it happened in a way that you know people can actually see, uh, you know, and a lot of people can see. And I think it, it is reaffirming. Um, you know, people in Congo were were excited. You know, you you have to think about what that says to them. You know, when given the conditions that they they live in, to say, "Gosh, I, I can, I actually can go." So I, I I actually see myself as, you know, I see it as the the same thing. You know, a kid who is ten years old in Congo might be looking at that and saying, "Gosh, that that's a place of incredible promise, and and this is where I want to go." You know, and I never set out to do that. It wasn't my goal to be this inspirational, you know, figure or whatever, but I, you know, but I realize what, what it means to people, you know, and, and I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I really want people to, let's focus on that, you know, let's try to capture that spirit. Remember that every day when you have those moments where you're, you're feeling down and you're feeling like things are really terrible. I say, gosh, if I could do it, anybody can do it here in this city, you know? All right. Well, Mayor, let's 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 do a couple of things here. Tell us a little bit about Bloomington, mm -hmm. and tell us about the relationship of Bloomington Normal. Because most of us, you know, I, I visited your community a few times, and I'm, I'm never quite sure if I'm in Bloomington or Normal. I don't know if there's a rivalry between the two, or if it's just considered one sort of cohesive community. Yeah. So, talk about Bloomington Normal, and then the Bloomington Normal area, and, and the challenges that your community faces. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, you know, you're, you're not the only one. A lot of people do get confused a little bit. So that's why we're called the twin cities. You know, if you were, I mean, even geographically, unless you are a local, you, you wouldn't know necessarily where the, the dividing line is between the two. And, and I think the, the truth is because we're so close geographically, a lot of the things that we do, you know, have an impact uh, on, on one or the other. Uh, many of the local um, uh, corporations, you know, who are here, you know, I mean, we, we do have, we have State Farm uh, who employs about 14,000, you know, or so people. Uh, we have country companies uh, who, uh, Country Financial, I should say that's the old name, I'm, I'm dating myself here. Uh, country Financial, uh, about 3,000 employees or 2,000 or so. Uh, but we also have uh, uh, Illinois State University, which is, you know, in normal. And, you know, between all of those entities, and now with Rivian, 
um, uh, you know, we, we between all of those uh, entities, you know, I mean, things kind of ebb and flow, you know, people live in Bloomington, but sometimes they shop in normal and they live in normal, but sometimes they shop in, in, in Bloomington. So it's, uh, it's so it's it's very fluid uh, that way. Uh, the community itself, uh, you know, is getting increasingly diverse, you know, both of them. Uh, other interesting fun fact, uh, but also maybe useless, <laughs> uh, is that the mayor of Normal, Chris Coos, and myself were born on the same day. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, we share a birthday. So I say, how, how fun is that, you know, to have the Twin Cities with, you know, two mayors who have the same birthday. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a vibrant community. I've always, you know, obviously I've been here for a long time. I, from the moment that I stepped off the train, uh, I love the, the community. It's nice. It's neat. Uh, you know, and as you might you know, you might remember, uh, we've been called the happiest uh, city uh, in North America. Uh, and, and I think that goes to the, to the fact that, you know, there's enough to do, you know, and, and you know, uh, there's short commutes. <laughs> Everything is within 10, 15 minutes, but we're also not very far from major metro areas like Chicago, Indianapolis, and, and, and St. Louis. So uh, really, really a, a fun place to live. If I had to coin something and I'm gonna, you know, to coin Bloomington as, and I'm gonna steal something from, my university that I work with and where I'm an alum uh, is that, you know, Bloomington is like, a, it's a, you know, a, it, it feels like a small town, but it has large town, you know, large city opportunities. Right. Yeah. Right. And in terms of, you, you've talked about the employers. I mean, it, the, the sort of driving engine is the financial sector with state farm and, and country financial with, of course, education. I mean, there's both ISU and then Illinois Wesleyan and two community colleges. So is that sort of the employment uh, kind of core of the community? Yeah, I would say State Farm has been a, a longtime anchor uh, in the community just by their sheer size. You know, this is their, you know, Bloomington is their headquarters, uh, the same for country uh, and also Illinois State University. But one of the things about this community, and, and, and this is where, you know, it gets a little bit blurry because you have, you know, some, some, uh, um, uh, some, corporations in, in, in Bloomington, some in, in Normal, but, you know, it's the fact that we've always had a very diverse uh, economy and, 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 and our economy has always been very resilient. You know, we, we, we've had some, some, some tough times, but we always find a way to, uh, to, to, to rebound, you know, and it's not, it doesn't feel as, uh, as drastic as uh, other, other communities. And, and I think, you know, it, it is for that reason that we, we've done fairly well. We're not overexposed in, in one area. Um, obviously, you know, State Farm is much larger than, than any other um, uh, entity here, but you know we also have uh, Rivian in in, in Normal, uh, who is uh, really uh, kicking things into high gear, and and uh, their employment has been uh, uh, has been rising uh, really fast in the past uh, six or seven months. Uh, but we also have Bridgestone, Firestone. Uh, we we have some uh, you know we have hospitals, uh, two hospitals. Um, 
uh, you know, Carl Roman, uh, but also OSF are, are two that are in the area and, and lots of, you know, small, smaller uh, companies, but that kind of add to the vibrancy of, of the community. Well, how has COVID affected your both your economics mm -hmm. and then the, the sort of public health? And then I, I guess also kind of the cultural um, tensions that have arisen over vaccination and so forth. So how is how is Bloomington weathered this pandemic? Yeah, I would say generally we have weathered it pretty well, uh, it, considering the, the situation that we find us. And again, I think I attribute that to to the strength, you know, the diversity of, of our um, uh, local economy. Uh, and, you know, one of the things um, um, you know, we, we looked at with the staff, you know, the, the staff uh, did a presentation a, a while back and, and actually, uh, you know, showed us how much we were able to accomplish uh, in, in, you know, in this span, you know, where COVID was at its highest. It, it was amazing. I mean, more than $260 million, you know, in uh, continued commercial investment uh, that, that I thought was really fantastic. Uh, we, you know, as a municipality, we did not experience a significant decrease in the level of service. You know, we focused on uh, preserving the workforce. So even though, you know, while people were working from home, I mean, you think about it, you know, and how intense municipal work can be, you know, people being on Zoom, you know, all day and trying to get things done, you know. Uh, and if there's one thing that I, I will say, you know, uh, that people are incredibly passionate about is their trash and recycling and their pick up <laughs> if that doesn't get picked up you're gonna get you're gonna hear about it you know and you know the staff perform admirably well uh in, in that particular uh in that particular area so i would say we, we've done really well i mean there, there have been some some tensions uh in terms of uh you know deal but it, this is not necessarily uh you know having to deal with the city you know we we really chose a, a reasonable approach uh we don't have a, a a health department you know the county manages that so early on we we made the decision that we were going to uh to follow CDC guidelines. Uh, but at the same time, uh, also, uh, you know, giving people a, a, an opportunity, you know, private businesses, you know, they, I mean, everybody is an adult, you know, and, and people know what they need to do. And I think that sort of a balanced approach has allowed us to, to avoid the sort of the, the contention that you find in, in, in some places. So... Well, tell us a little bit about the structure of your city government. I know there's a mayor, um, there's a eight or nine person city council based on wards. Mm -hmm. um, there's a city clerk. I don't think you have a city manager. Tell us. A, oh, you do. Okay. I, I had, didn't see that on your website. So mm -hmm. tell us about the mechanics of how Bloomington's government works. Sure. So we, we are what we call a council manager form of government. So the, the, the city council and the mayor pretty much direct policy, you know, enact ordinances and, and resolutions and, and, and other regulations. And then the city manager uh, is, that we hire uh, is responsible for carrying out the day-to-day -day duties uh, of, uh, you know, of city government. Uh, and he's also responsible, hence, to, to hire uh, the, the department heads. Uh, and, and that that's kind of how how that functions uh, we we meet uh, you know three about three times um, uh, a month 
to make some some of those decisions, um, you know, and on special occasions uh, as as needed. And and we have to enact budgets, you know, annual budgets and and things like that. So. Well we were joking a little bit beforehand. I told you that every mayor I've I've interviewed so far for this series has said that their job is quote theoretically part time, but they said <laughs> it ain't part time. You know, it's it it takes a lot more time. You know, then that's even setting aside you know trips to the grocery store where you're trying to pick up milk, and 45 minutes later you're leaving with a list of you know uh, constituent requests to to deal. So. Tell us about how you structured this job within the context of your busy job at ISU. Yeah, so the the way I, I do this is that I do, uh, you know, of course, this job takes a lot of preparation, you know, a lot of reading and and and, and talking with uh, with different people's uh, people on a, on a number of different issues. But uh, typically, I try to do things, you know, early in the morning if possible, uh, you know, before the workday, or try to do things uh, during my over my lunch hour, like right now, <laughs> uh, and and then in the evenings and 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 on the weekends, you know. But there, there are times where it's not always possible, so I do take some time off uh, from uh, from work uh, to to be able to do that. And fortunately, you know, I, I know ISU. Uh, one of uh, ISU's uh, values is civic engagement. It's something that they wholeheartedly believe in. Uh, so I, I do I do have that that sort of flexibility. And my job itself is not when we're one where I have to be tied to a desk. You know, especially in these uh, uh, in the Zoom era. Uh, you know, you can do things from many different locations, do it from home and, and things like that. So it, it makes it, you know, e uh, easy. And I should also add, I do have, uh, you know, my, my wife, uh, Stacy, is, is a serial enabler. <laughs> so uh, she, she, she's incredibly supportive uh, when it comes to uh, doing many of the things that, that, that need to be done, you know, with the family and, and, and the kids. And, and, and both of us have been able to do that for one another. You know, when, when I was less busy, when she has busier times, you know, I'm, I, I show up there and, you know, in support of what, what it is that she's doing. So it's a great partnership we've had. <laughs> great. Well, another theme that I've heard from mayors is, um, uh, Springfield, I mean, which is kind of code for state government. Mm -hmm. And frustrations about, you know, unfunded mandates, mm -hmm. um, budget uh, imbalances, etc. How does Illinois state government affect your day to day work as mayor? Is it a, a helpful partner? Is it an impediment? Does it change from day to day? How is it? Yeah, I would say the, the unfunded mandates, you know, can be very difficult to deal with. Because as you know, you know, the... Uh, uh, we are required as a municipality to have a, a balanced budget, you know, and so we, uh, and, and over the, the past, you know, uh, 10 years since my time on the council, I would say one of the significant accomplishments is that we, we really have been able to, uh, to, to, to turn the corner from a financial uh, perspective, you know, we, we've been pretty disciplined in, in, in how we've allocated money, uh, and so when we get unfunded mandates, uh, it, it makes that very, very difficult for us to, because you know, we have to go back to the drawing board and, and try to figure out how 
how we, we, we make this work. But, you know, I would say, fortunately, though, we, we do have, we work very well with our local legislators. Uh, and, and they've always been uh, very, very helpful partners uh, in, in helping us achieve uh, the goals that we, we need to achieve. But I, I'm also one who's, who tends to be very optimistic by, by nature, you know, it's like, you know, hey, if life gives you lemon, lemon you know, take, you know, make lemonade out of it, you know? So I, I try to keep a, a positive perspective when it comes to that. And I, and I think, you know, despite all of that, I, I think we, Bloomington has been pretty successful and I'm incredibly hopeful for the future. Great. We have some questions that people have emailed in, Mr. Mayor. And the first one is from Georgine from, from Bloomington, who says, what are your thoughts and plans for empty buildings in downtown? Mm -hmm. Explain uh, for those of us who don't live in Bloomington what she's referring to. And, and Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I think part of, part of that, you know, stems from a um, I guess maybe a, a longer history, you know, that we we've had, uh, you know, with some uh, some empty buildings uh, in downtown. But you know, my my goal and the the goal of staff uh, and and the rest and the council as well has been to to try to fill those up. And people might not realize that we've actually uh, we have a much lower vacancy rate than we we had in the past. So in the past year, you know, I made a reference to uh, staff sharing some of the accomplishments, you know, throughout COVID. Actually, we've had 12 new businesses come into uh, the downtown and, and I should say all of them uh, uh, owned by women, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is fantastic. But again, the, the goal for, for us is, is to, to continue to, to plow forward. Um, you know, I, I, I know we, you know, there's constantly discussions uh, with various, various groups, you know, who, who are interested in, in revitalizing the downtown. We, we had a number, a number of plans uh, in place. Uh, and uh, last year, you know, over the, the last year or two, you know, we kind of took care of some of the low hanging fruit. Uh, and we, we actually have an RFP out um, that would uh, look at, um, you know, what else, you know, for a company to, to come and tell us, uh, it was an, it's an RFQ, sorry, to come and tell us, you know, what else needs to happen in, in the downtown to continue revitalizing it. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty hopeful uh, that we, we're going to get there, especially with the increased level of uh, economic activity that we're seeing from these, all these other business partners that we have in town. Okay. Bernie from Springfield asked that he said he's very interested in the progress of Rivian Motors. Mm -hmm. uh, says, given the fact that former Governor Rauner repeatedly said that the old Mitsubishi plant, uh, that no one would take it even if it was given to them. So could you give us a little bit of backstory there and then an update on that? Yeah, so you know that would be a, a much better question from the mayor of normal, <laughs> because you know Rivian is in his backyard, and, and this is something that they they, they they've worked on uh, significantly. So I, I definitely would not want to take uh, credit, you know, for for the work uh, uh, that they've done, you know. But what I can tell you is that. Um, you know, based on what I hear, uh, you know, Rivian is really kicking things into high gear. Uh, just recently, they, they had, uh, you know, their first vehicle 
uh, come off the line uh, for for purchase by by a customer, and and I and I do know that um, they're they're also their employment is is going to uh, you know I think is expected to reach uh, about twenty five hundred you know fairly shortly, uh, you know and if you if you think about that. Um, you know that that's almost. I mean, for a company that's this this young, uh, that's almost the same number of people we had way back in the day when we had Mitsubishi in town, and and it is creating uh, some some uh, some growing pains. You know, but interesting. Uh, yet you know, we welcome that. You know, but we have to figure out how uh, we we manage that uh, locally because, like I said, you know. Things kind of ebb and flow. Just because it's a normal, it doesn't mean that it's it's not going to impact uh, Wilmington. Okay, we have a, a question from Heidi from Carbondale, who actually is a native of Bloomington. She was in the Bloomington High School class of '93, and she said, "I'd like to ask the mayor if he plans to address affordable housing in Bloomington Normal." She says the video posted by the city regarding the Hamilton Road East-West connection emphasizes large single-family homes in proximity to State Farm. The aerial view of the community shows large single-family homes in one of State Farm State Farm's campuses. Uh, she says, "Will you, um, you know, will your administration be able to address the concerns of low-income residents mm -hmm. um, and affordable housing?" So, if you could discuss that. Yeah, yeah. So it, this is something that I uh, I know there are folks uh, in town, you know, business partners who are um, uh, interested uh, in, in this particular area, um, and and so we we have conversations with them. We're, we're certainly uh, open to to working with them in, in partnership. And in, in trying to uh, to to achieve uh, you know some of those goals, um, but one thing that I, I would remind people is that you know the um, you know, the the municipality you know, municipalities are not in the business of building houses, <laughs> you know, or building um, you know uh, buildings or, or uh, um, you know residential uh, buildings and that kind of thing. You know the what what we can do is to really to try to you know ease some of the um, the obstacles that are there for for people to do that. So definitely the private sector is aware of that of that issue. You know I mean I I, I of course I, I couldn't say too much about that, but I, I know you know we we've had folks you know who who have tried to reach out to us to to say. Hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about this. We realize that there is a concern uh, in town, and we're we're trying to do something about it. There's an opportunity here to be able to build something, and you know, work with low income, you know, tax credits and, and those kinds of things. Uh, but you know, it's not 100% a responsibility of the city. You know, we can certainly help. Uh, to make things a little easier from uh, you know a, a zoning perspective or planning and trying to move things a little faster. Well, what is the best and what is the most challenging part of being mayor of Bloomington? Hmm, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think that the best part of being mayor uh, in Bloomington, and I think any mayor can say that, you know, is when you you find a solution to a particular issue and a, a resident comes and tells you, you know, that 
that was awesome. I, I really appreciate what you were able to do to me. That's all, even as an alderman, that's always been one of my favorite part is that sort of uh, almost like retail kind of thing. You know, uh, somebody emails you and says, hey, I've got this problem over here. Can you take care of it for me? And, you know, you work with the staff, you know, to try to address the issue, and then you get an email back or somebody who stops you in the store and say, hey, thank you. You know, this was amazing that you guys were able to do that. that that's the most rewarding part. Um, you know, the, the, the challenging part, uh, I would say right now is really uh, uh, having to deal with sometimes differences of opinion. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, some people are able to manage that well <laughs> and, and others are, are not able to manage that as well. So to, to find yourself as the, the, the referee of those sometimes uh, is it can be very difficult, you know, because you feel like you're being pulled on both sides. <laughs> Well, if someone from Southern Illinois said, hey, you know, I'd love to spend an October weekend in Bloomington, Normal, what, what should they do? Give them a, an itinerary for a, a weekend in, in your community. Okay, well, I would say first thing, restaurants, which is a local sport. <laughs> <laughs> restaurants are a big thing. I mean, it, it seems like people love to go out to eat in Bloomington. And there are a lot of really ni uh, nice, neat uh, restaurants uh, that, that people can, can go to. We do have quite a few uh, franchise restaurants, but we also have some local ones. Uh, you know, we, we have, uh, way back when, when I came here in 1990, we did not have the options uh, that we, we have now. Uh, we have, you know, Three, three Indian restaurants, even four, I would say. Uh, we have Korean, uh, we have Japanese, uh, you know, Chinese, uh, and a, a number of different uh, options. We, we have a, an African store, a market, <laughs> where people can buy food. You know, back in the day, we had to drive to Chicago to be able to do that. But in addition to that, there are also many, many other things that people can do. We have a Bloomington Center for the Performing Arts, uh, where there's lots of really nice, neat shows, programming for kids, uh, for you know, for the old timers like me. You know, the the, the village people are are, are coming. <laughs> you know, so I'm getting ready to do the YMCA. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, uh, we we also have a, a large arena for for larger larger events where we we we've been able to attract uh, uh, a lot of interesting artists. You know, some people don't even know that uh, Drake, the rapper, came here when he was not as big. You know, and we we've also had Rod Stewart and 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 and, and a number of different uh, different people. But besides that, you you we we have a you know, we have a wonderful trail, you know, wonderful park system. Uh, in the era of COVID, uh, when people couldn't go to the gym, I mean, it, it was a lifeline to be able to have that. So many people were out on the trail, you know, and that's why I've always been a proponent of, you know, having parks and, and those kinds of amenities. You know, you, you, as much as people, you know, people might use them a lot, but then in, in the time of COVID, uh, you know, you realize how incredibly helpful it was to have, you know, in the community. Did I read someplace that you you helped uh, establish a cricket field in, in, in your community? 
Yes, yes, very, very true, very true. Because I, I have a lot of friends in the Indian community, and they they came to me and petitioned me and said, you know, we we don't have a a, a good place for us to be able to play cricket. So I work with the parks uh, uh, department uh, for them to 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 install something uh, in one of the the, the local parks, and, and and they've been pretty pretty happy with that. Of course, it, it's not it's not a huge you know uh, area, but I. I I think, uh, you know, it just kind of shows our willingness to listen, you know, openness to uh, diverse uh, points of view. So uh, that's been good. Well, let me ask you finally about um, how you, you know, you, you obviously are busy at ISU, busy as mayor. You and your wife have four children, I think, of pretty wide range of ages. Tell us about how you like to relax and, and enjoy yourself and decompress. <laughs> well, eating restaurants <laughs> that really helps me decompress. I, I love good food, you know. And one of the things that I had mentioned in the campaign is the ability to get people to get people together, you know, and and spend time together and eat with one another. I think it's it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but I also, uh, my, my, my son plays travel soccer. So I spend a lot of time, uh, with him. You know, I, I go to, you know, as many of the games that I can and, and his practice, I've rarely missed uh, a practice, you know, with him. Uh, so that, that's, that's relaxing. I, I love soccer. It's my, my favorite sport. So I watch that on TV sometimes, uh, with, with my son when I can, but, but also watching other world uh, events, you know, like the, when they're really big, you know, like Super Bowl and, and uh, you know, World Cup and, and, and NBA uh, finals and that kind of thing. But also traveling. I, I love spending time with my family, uh, you know, and they, they will probably, especially my kids, will probably deny that. <laughs> but we, we actually enjoy traveling together, uh, even though, uh, you know, and, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that we do uh, but, you know, we, we took a trip out to Florida, you know, 17 hours in the car, arguing over where to eat, what movie to watch in the car and that kind of thing. You know, it didn't feel like it was fun at the time. <laughs> you know, I threatened to leave them back in Florida. <laughs> but, you know, and when we think about it after a while, you know, it's like, oh, that was kind of funny. You know, we had a good time. So we love travel. We love being with one another. So that's how we spend time you know, as a family. I don't feel good when I'm not around them, you know, when they're not around. I was going to say in your swearing in ceremony, you gave a very, very touching tribute to your children and also to your wife. Tell us a little bit about Stacy, what she does and how you met and uh, and uh, how she helps you be, be serve as mayor of Bloomington. Yeah. So Stacy and I met in graduate school. Well, we, we knew of each other before, but we got to know better in graduate school, actually, in a statistics class. <laughs> <laughs> how romantic yes it was very romantic anybody who tells you that math is not romantic it's not you know don't believe them <laughs> it was it was very romantic and so that that's how we kind of got to know each other we also worked in the housing department together uh, we were both graduate assistants so right now she she serves as the director of housing a uh, very, very big responsibility, a uh, large budget responsible for five, 6,000 students uh, on campus. But, you know, she, she is uh, incredibly energetic. Sometimes she has so much energy, she makes me tired. 
<laughs> just watching. <laughs> and, and this is really how, um, you know, she, uh, you know, she, she supports me, you know, um, and before I, I got on council, uh, you know, I always, you know, supported her with many other different things that she was, she was doing. We're, we're each other's best friends, you know, and, and, and council, you know, she'll call me during the day. Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think, you know, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, it just a, an incredible, incredible person. And like I said before, you know, she, uh, you know, she, she married me when I didn't have a job, you know, she said, I think you're the guy, you know, let's go. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Everything else is going to work out. And, and I, I think it's, uh, it's awesome. I, I love it to death. <laughs> Great. Well, Mr. Mayor, this has been really a delightful conversation. We love to learn about your community and your background. And when things open up a bit, we'd love to have you come down to Carbondale, look at the SIU campus. Yes. Um, we'll get you a hat for SIU that you can wear <laughs> to compliment your ISU one. And, and but actually more seriously, love to have you meet with students and just what a remarkable story you have and just explain how you, uh, you know, the journey you've taken and the contributions you're making to public service. We'd love to have you down here. Yes, absolutely. I would love to. Thank you so very much for, for the opportunity to speak with you tonight, today. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Simon Cass, the official podcast of the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute. Simon Cass is produced in collaboration with WSIU Public Radio. You can find Simon Cass wherever you listen to podcasts, including NPR One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Please subscribe to see new episodes as soon as they're posted and tell your friends about our show. For more information, visit paulsimoninstitute.org. Thank you for listening, and thank you for keeping the legacy of Paul Simon alive and well.